This is the Horn Takes Podcast. You're very rough around the edges, Texas sports talk destination. I'm your host, Sean Redfern. It's the 119th Red River Shootout is here. It's Red River Shootout Eve. We are live from an undisclosed location in Dallas, Texas. I got my orange Longhorn aid and I'm drinking a whole lot of it. Going to head out to the State Fair today, right after the show. Enjoy that. Take that all in. It is Prediction Friday, so we'll do our Week 6 Trace Ultra Games picks today. And then, obviously, we'll have our prediction for the Red River Shootout. Check us out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, normally at 12 noon Central Standard Time. Check us out on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, at Horn Takes. If you just like to listen to podcasts, maybe you travel a lot. Maybe you're on the road a lot. Horntakespodcast.buzzsprout.com. Let's get into these week six Trace Ultra games. I'm ready to get hurt again. I did the LSU Tigers last week. We lost miserably. We picked number 23 LSU against number 21 Missouri for our first game of the Trace Ultra games. Battle of the Tigers. I was a Mount Pleasant Tiger in high school, so I love those Tigers. This game's 11 a.m., Central Standard Time on ESPN. LSU started out as a five and a half point favorite, but that line has moved down to minus four as we get closer to game time. A lot of line move it, movement this week. It's kind of odd. What makes this game interesting to me is LSU's defense has been absolutely terrible. Can they find any sort of semblance of a defense? They've given up 41, or excuse me, 31 and 49 points in their last two games. Just bad. And then I think the other big question is, can Mizzou outscore LSU? LSU's offense has been really good. Mizzou has been a team that scored some points, but hasn't really put a lot of points up on the board. I really like Brady Cook. I think he's really good. He's got almost 1,500 yards on the season, 74% completion percentage, and 11 touchdowns. I think he might be the best pure passer LSU has faced this season. My prediction for this game, I think there's going to be a lot of points. Neither defense is all that great. LSU's is certainly what we would call terrible. Missouri is very, very good against the run. So I think LSU will have to get it done through the air, which won't be a problem. Also, don't think Mizzou has faced a team like LSU in the run game. LSU is big up front, physical up front. The running backs are physical. I think this one will come down to which QB makes a mistake it's going to be a shootout there's going to be a lot of points scored i don't really like lsu on the road i know florida state wasn't a typical road game but they weren't at death valley they went on the road to ole miss last week lost in a shootout there i like mizzou to get the upset this week i think mizzou outscores lsu 41 to 38 and those lsu fans Scream again all week on Twitter about how terrible the defense is. Mizzou, 41. LSU, 38. Game number two, number 11, Bama at Texas A&M. This one comes off at 2.30 Central Standard Time on CBS. Bama started out as a one-and-a-half point favorite, but now this game's a pick em, folks. We talked about the line movement. I don't know what's going on. A lot of game, All the games we are looking at, lots of line movement. Thanks another week, another big 
game in the SEC West. You had Alabama and Ole Miss earlier in the season. You got two undefeated teams in Bama and Aggie in the SEC West. They're the only undefeateds left in the SEC West. So this is a key game for the SEC West. The winner of this game is in really good shape to go on and win the West. Both of these teams looking to stay perfect since their week two losses. Alabama, obviously, to Texas. A&M to Miami. I think this Aggie defense has been a lot better since giving up those 48 points to Miami. They shut down Auburn. They did a pretty decent job against Arkansas. I think they had at least one defensive score in that game. I think the big question mark for A&M in this game is can QB Max Johnson lead the Aggie offense and can he protect the ball against a still very talented Alabama defense? I know we've said it multiple times, but this Alabama defense and this Alabama team in general is still one of the most talented rosters in the country. Bama really gave Jackson Dart from Ole Miss fits. And then I think another comf- another question is, you know, how comfortable is Jalen Milrow going to be in the offense now? He's 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 been in the offense for, what, four of their five games? And then... How will being on the road at Kyle Field affect him? That's a that's a different place to play. One of the best home field advantages in the country, probably. Alabama's looked real undisciplined and really prone to mistakes offensively all season long. But at some point, Milrow is such a talent. I think he's going to figure it out, and you're going to see Milrow just sort of ease into his role. And that Alabama offense that's been struggling at some point this season is going to click and you're going to start to see a lot of points and a lot of efficiency out of that offense. Milrow's been there before. He's been in this type of game. He got the win over Aggie last year in Tuscaloosa. I think both of these squads have really good rosters. They're, they're certainly top 10 in the country. I think this game not being at night might be, not the biggest factor, but certainly one of the biggest external factors in this game. There's just something about a big night game. There's something about a big night game down in College Station. For some reason, you take the dark out of the mix and games become normal again. I think the matchup of the game for me is this Bama offensive line against the Aggie defensive line. That Aggie defensive line has been playing really, really good football. That Bama offensive line came into the season with a lot of expectations. Hasn't really lived up to that yet. I think whoever wins the battle of between Bama's offensive line and Aggie's defensive line, I think that's who's going to end up winning this game. I like Bama to get just enough done in the running game to open up some stuff down the field for Milrow. And Milrow is very good on the deep ball. And Alabama certainly has some guys that can get behind you. I'm going to take Bama. Bama's going to go on the road and beat Aggie yet tomorrow afternoon, 27-23. Game number three of Trace Ultra Games. Team we haven't talked about at all this season. Number 20, Kentucky, on the road at number one, Georgia. This game kicks at 6 p.m. on ESPN. This is one line that's held steady. Georgia is a 14.5-point favorite. They have been since Monday. Looking at Kentucky, they're quietly undefeated. And then Georgia has been 
Georgia just hasn't looked like Georgia. Georgia hasn't looked like the two-time defending national champions. They haven't looked really great offensively so far. They got lots of passing yards, but just not a ton of points to show for it. You look at Kentucky offensively, they don't really really look at them as as a whole. They don't really do anything really, really well. They just kind of do everything okay. Uh, Running the ball offensively is definitely their strength. I think you look at this matchup on paper, and it is really lopsided. And we talk all the time about how the games are not played on paper. Smart, so far, has not found the magic button to get this team to go. Uh, I think, obviously, the talent's there. Uh, You look at the rosters across the country. Georgia is certainly a top three roster, probably the number one roster in terms of talent. But for whatever reason, they just haven't clicked. They haven't gelled. I like Kentucky to cover in this game. I think Georgia wins this game at home between the hedges, 31 to 17. Now moving on to the Red River Shootout discussion. We've been talking all week about the Red River Shootout, what makes it a uniquely better rivalry than any other rivalry. Uh, and as I as I was talking through a lot of those different things, I, it started bringing back memories for me. Uh, and I just thought I would talk about a little bit of my favorite Red River Shootout moments over the years. Uh, 2005, the absolute whole thing, the whole part of it was amazing. That was my very first Red River shootout. I uh, We were living down in Central Texas. I said, man, I want to go to this game. I found a ticket online uh, maybe maybe two or three days before the game. Uh, ended up going by myself, sat in the end zone. Uh, had an absolute blast. I got the uh, Red River shootout sunburn on one side of my face, the whole nine yards. This game was big play after big play for Texas. You had the Jamal Charles touchdown, the Rod Wright scoop and score on the Bomar hit. Uh, Billy Pittman, a big touchdown coming at us early in the game. Ramon's Taylor with a big touchdown catch in that game. Uh, this game ended a five-game U or five game Oklahoma winning streak. And it for Texas fans in 2005, we never thought we were going to beat Oklahoma again. That's how bad it was. And, and not only were the, we losing those games, we were getting the absolute shit kicked out of us in those games. So it was a huge win for Texas fans. Obviously, that year we went on to an undefeated season, won the national championship. Uh, but even going into that game, I talked on the show the other day how I've never gone into this game feeling confident. I didn't even feel confident going into that game. And when you step back and look at it, Oklahoma was breaking in a new quarterback. He wasn't playing all that great. Uh, just everything set up perfectly for Texas to win this game, and they won it big, obviously. I think another really cool moment was the Jordan Shipley kickoff return in 2008. Uh, Texas was trailing that game 14 to nothing. Oklahoma came out, jumped all over them quickly, uh, and then Jordan Shipley rips off a 96-yard touchdown on a kickoff. It was a huge play in the game, definitely swung the momentum over to Texas's side. And then Texas goes on to win that game 45 to 35, put themselves in a really good position uh, to go on and play for the national championship. They obviously did not do that that season, but a really great game, really great pivotal play in a game. Uh, And it happened right there in front of us. Really cool to see. I think another moment uh, for us is just the, the Quinn Ewers 2021 performance, or excuse me, 2022 performance. Uh, he was out for basically four games ahead of that. He played seven minutes of, of football time uh, in the Alabama game earlier that season before he got hurt. He comes off from being hurt for four weeks, 
comes into the biggest game of his life uh, and goes 21 for 31 for 289 yards and four touchdowns. Looked pretty unstoppable. He did have the one throw. I don't know if it was a slip pass or if he was trying to throw it away and just misjudged how far he needed to throw the ball. Uh, but he did have that interception early in the game. But outside of that, it was pretty perfect. And he made a lot of really, really nice throws in that game. I think for Texas fans, at least for me, I finally started to get that Texas could be back type of feeling. You know, you've been hearing you've been hearing people say, oh, Texas is back every single year. It's a it's a jab that a lot of other fan bases like to make at Texas because it seems like every time Texas beats a ranked team, the media goes off and says, oh, Texas is back. We're finally getting to see Texas. Uh, and we suffered through the Charlie Strong era. We suffered through the Tom Herman era winning some of those games, but not being able to put complete seasons together. Well, after that game last year in the Red River shootout, I finally started to think that maybe we were starting to see a roster. Steve Sarkeesian was starting to build a roster that could be the type of team where Texas really was back. And obviously, we've continued to build on that. Ranked number three in the country right now, undefeated. Really exciting time to be a Texas Longhorn. I think the other thing, and this really isn't a single moment, but something that comes up for me all the time when I think about this game is kind of family and friends. I've been to two of these with my dad. Uh, we were at the 2008 Red River Shootout together, just had an absolute blast. Uh, I've been to three of these with my wife. This one will be our fourth, uh, and we're looking to go two and two. Uh, we haven't had a great record. Uh, we were there in 2007. We were there in 2021. We were there in 2022, and we'll obviously be there this year. So we're looking to go two and two on this one. Uh, we used to live down in Central Texas, so we used to do a whole lot of tailgating down in Austin, met a whole lot of really cool people, uh, really fell in with a, a certain group of folks that we would spend a lot of time tailgating with. Uh, and it's really cool. Every once in a while, we'll just randomly run into people from down there up here at the Red River Shootout. So uh, a couple years ago, we were just kind of walking through the – walking through the uh, food court area, the building that's got a lot of vendors in it, and uh, just happened to look across and see a few friends of ours, spent some time catching up with them. We've got a couple friends that are coming up today. Actually, two sets of couple friends that are coming up today. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to run across them. But I think Friendly and Friends makes everything special. This is already a special game. It's really cool to get to, to, get to see some old friends. It's really cool to get to hang out with your family. Uh, Excited about that. Horn takes traveling roadshow update. Folks, we did not get any credentials. I don't know what that means. I'm going to still pack my camera and my little monopod thing. It's a little handheld deal and see if I can get that in. See if I can get some, uh, some cool footage, get some interviews of some fans, things like that. Uh, just some stuff to add to the, to the show here. If you see us, say hello. I'll be the big bald guy with the red hat on. I got a, the shirt I'm wearing right now. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of orange, a lot of probably puke crimson in the in the place as well. But if you see us, say hello. We'll do a quick interview. We'll get caught up, maybe have a beer, share a corn dog, whatever the deal is. We're going to end up chronicling this whole thing today as we go to the fair on TikTok more than likely. And we got a full day. We're going to get over there a little afternoon. Uh, we're going to train over there. We're going to obviously eat, drink. Enjoy our time. Check out the exhibits. I think we might check out the rodeo tonight. Uh, they have some sort of end of night light show and fireworks show. We'll probably check that out. So it's going to be a long day today. 
uh, probably end up over at some bar or brewery or something tonight uh, to kind of nightcap it before we get up in the morning. So that's the update on the Horn Takes Traveling Roadshow. I didn't even know you needed credentials until early this week, so that was my bad. Finally, we get down to the number 12 Oklahoma Sooners at the number three Texas Longhorns. This is an 11 a.m. kick, as it usually is. It's usually 11 or 2.30. More often, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. This one will be on ABC. This line has moved all kinds of crazy. It started out as a Texas was a six and a half point. Actually, Texas started out as a four and a half point favorite. Then the line moved to a six and a half point favorite. Now it sits at a five and a half point favorite for Texas. So I'm not sure what all that's about. Uh, we did get some news that JT Sanders would be playing in this game. Uh, but I don't know why that would uh, make the line do what it's done necessarily. Uh, I think there's a lot of bets and a lot of money going in on Texas' side. And, and they're just trying to figure out how to even all that out over in Vegas. The weather for this game is going to be absolutely perfect. I don't think you could ask for anything more. We've sat through all kinds of different weather this game. We've sat through kind of cool and rainy. Uh, we've sat through blistering hot in 2021. Last year was actually pretty decent, but tomorrow is going to be absolutely gorgeous. The high for tomorrow is 73. Uh, it's going to be 50, 56, 57 degrees in the morning when the fairground opens up, so it's going to be nice and cool. Uh, and I think this game's going to be in the 60s for the majority of the not a lot of wind. So perfect conditions for a fall football game. Uh, we don't typically get that down here in Texas and certainly not in DFW this time of year. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. I'm done with the uh, burning up and, and dying of uh, dehydration stuff at, at college football games. The Red River shoot, Shootout is always a tough game to predict, man. We have There's always big upsets in this series. Uh, there's this series is really known for lots of ambushes as well. You, you look back to like 2000 when Oklahoma came out and beat Texas 63 to 14. I believe Texas was the favorite in that game. Certainly no one thought Oklahoma was going to drop 63 on Texas and hold Texas to 14. Uh, just an absolute ambush in the running game from the Oklahoma Sooners. 2021, I felt like, was an ambush. I know Oklahoma came in that game limping a little bit. They didn't have their starting quarterback. But the year before, tons of points, shootout-type game, overtime game. Uh, I don't think anybody on the planet expected to drop 49 on Oklahoma. And really nobody thought Oklahoma or Texas was going to hold Oklahoma absolutely zero points. So this is really truly one of those games where you can just throw out the rankings, throw out the records. None of that crap matters. Four keys to the game. For the Texas Longhorns, be the storm. We talked about that before the Alabama game. We've seen the Texas team traditionally, not traditionally, but over the last few years, get really good at being able to go into these types of games and not weather storms. They actually go into these games and they start to become the storm. And that's what championship teams do. Championship teams don't care who they're playing. They don't care where they're playing. They don't get built up with a lot of emotion about the hype of games. They just go in. They take care of business, and they kick a lot of ass from the very beginning. And that's what Texas needs to do in this team to really be successful, get a quick start against Oklahoma. Number two, they need to continue to control both sides of the ball. They've done a really good job controlling the line of scrimmage this year. they got to keep that up. Obviously, you win in the trenches. I really like Texas's offensive line in this game. I really like Texas's defensive line in this game. Number three, they got to limit the big play. Texas has kind of gotten hurt a few times. The defense has been really, really good this season, 
But if the the one mark you could kind of hold against this defense is they have had a tendency to give up a few home runs. It's happened in the run game. It's happened in the pass game, more often in the pass game than the run game. But they're going to have to figure out a way to limit those big plays like that. Uh, the good thing about this Texas defense is they generally respond to this. Uh, but you don't want to be giving up a ton of freebies in a game like this. If they get the big play, I like Texas to stop them from get from getting into the end zone. But obviously, if they get in the end zone on the big play, you can't stop them from getting in the end zone. So really critical for Texas's defense to limit the big play today. And then I, I think finally Quinn Ewers has to realize he doesn't have to win this game. We've been talking about that since since before the season started. There's a whole lot of expectations on Quinn Ewers. A lot of people talking about how he's going to be a number one draft pick. A lot of people talking about, you know, what his chances are of winning the Heisman. And he doesn't have to be that guy. He will be that guy if he just protects the football and distributes the ball correctly within the offense. He doesn't need to go out with any kind of heroics and try to put this team on his shoulders and try to win it himself. Oklahoma's 5-0. and Looking nothing like the team that Texas beat 49 to nothing last year. They're healthy. They're confident. They've been beating the absolute piss out of just about everybody. Big question for Oklahoma for me is can they get that running game going? It hasn't been that great. Uh, I think that's going to be key for them this game is to try to figure out a way to get the ground game going. Uh, keep Texas's defense off balance because if this one turns one-dimensional on them and Dylan Gabriel has to be the guy – the entire game, I think that's going to be pretty bad news for Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma wants Dylan Gabriel trying to throw the ball 40-something times in this game. Can the offensive line protect Dylan Gabriel? They've been pretty good this year, not giving up a lot of sacks, but they haven't played a defensive line as good as the Texas defensive line. I don't think they've played linebackers that are as good in the blitz game as they will see in this game against Texas. And then I think the other question for Oklahoma – do they have the horses defensively to slow down this Texas offense? Talked about it earlier in the week. We were hoping JT Sanders would be able to play in this game. It looks like he's going to be good to go in this game. So all offensive weapons for the University of Texas are available. Quinn's got everything loaded in the chamber for him. You got Adnan Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, Jordan Whittington. The running backs are weapons out of the backfield. The running backs are weapons in the ground game. You got Jonte Cook that can come off the bench and make some stuff happen at the wide receiver position. Gunnar Helm has been playing really good the last couple games and, and more uh, added role in this offense at the tight end position. So many weapons. Does Oklahoma have the horses to try to contain all that? I think if you're at Oklahoma, really, the, really any team, the only way you stop that many weapons is to win the line of scrimmage and win it in a big way. And I don't know if the Oklahoma defensive line – can overpower this Texas offensive line. Oklahoma is certainly better in 2023 than they were in 2022. There's no doubt about that, but so is Texas. Texas is a team that right now has already gone on the road, uh, beat a really highly ranked and really uh, good, really talented Alabama team. So far, OU is a little bit untested. I haven't, you know, there's nothing on their schedule that says that was a key win. It's just been a bunch of teams, right? And and that's okay. They can't help what their schedule is. And they've gone out and they've played those games uh, and they've won those games how you would expect them to win those games generally. But I think this Texas team is a lot better 
this year than even they were last year when they dropped 49 points on Oklahoma and held them to zero. Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers, both really good at executing their offenses. I think Oklahoma asks a lot more of Dylan Gabriel than Texas does of Quinn Ewers. Dylan Gabriel's never won a game against the top 25 team. Oklahoma and Brent Venables have still not beaten a power of five Texas team since Brent Venables became the head coach of Oklahoma. I think both defenses look really good. Statistically, we talked about it yesterday on Deep Dive Thursday. Statistically, these defenses are really, really good. Texas has a slight edge on the defensive side. Oklahoma has a slight edge on the offensive side, statistically. I think the outcome of this game is going to hinge on a, a few things, whether OU can slow down Texas's running game, whether Texas can defend the deep ball, because I know Oklahoma's going to do it. You've seen Baylor take advantage of it. You've seen Kansas take advantage of it. You're going to see Oklahoma try to take advantage of it. And then I think one of these defenses is going to end up making some sort of impactful play at some point in this game that's going to be really pivotal to the outcome of the game. I think this game will be close early on. Texas seems to always play close games early on. Really, the only game they just came out and absolutely jumped on their opponent was Baylor. We saw it a little bit last week against KU. They just didn't convert those drives into touchdowns. So they attempted some field goals, made some, missed some. So I think that score last week at halftime, 13-7, to 7, uh, was not necessarily indicative of the offense's ability to move the ball. They just couldn't get it in the end zone. So I think you'll see a, a close game early on, but I think Texas pulls away late with their running game. I just don't see Oklahoma having the depth on the defensive side of the ball uh, to, to withstand just the leaning they're going to get from this Texas offensive line. I think I think as the game goes on, the running game is going to get stronger and stronger for Texas. Texas is going to win this 119th Red River shootout, 31-23, to and keep the golden hat in Austin for one more year at least. Check us out Monday on Exaggeration Monday. We'll see how we'll see what Drunk Sean live game watching says. Drunk Sean is crazy. We'll see. We'll see all of those, those thoughts on Exaggeration Monday. Check out the podcast anywhere you listen to the podcast. You can check us out on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Horn Takes. Follow and subscribe on those places. It won't cost you anything. It'll help me out. I appreciate it. You can email me at horntakespodcast at gmail.com. With all your questions, comments, concerns, and criticisms, we're headed to the fair. We're excited about the game. Tomorrow, you guys get hooked. Have a good weekend.